Do you spend hours in your head thinking about something that happened, could have happened, or might happen? Do you ask others what to do so you don't make a mistake? Welcome to the Playing It Safe podcast. I am Dr. Z, your host. I am a clinical psychologist, an author, and a person that is super passionate about sharing with you science-based skills to overcome any type of fear-based struggles. Who doesn't experience fear? Who doesn't play it safe? In this show, we will discuss how fear-based reactions happen in day-to-day life, how playing it safe behaviors look like, sound like, and feel like, how you can put into action solid tips from behavioral science to get unstuck from worries, fears, obsessions, and anxieties, and how you can start doing what works, what matters, and what you care about. Behavioral science doesn't have to be boring. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Z, and I am back with a super special episode. In this episode, I am sharing with all of you part two of my conversation with Johnny Say. If you remember on episode 27, Johnny and I chat about how acceptance and commitment skills or how acceptance and commitment training goes hand in hand with compassion focused practices. I think in part one, you got the frame of what self-compassion is and how many times it can be misunderstood. Now, in part two, you're going to listen directly from Johnny three different ways in which you can practice self-compassion when feeling stress, when hurting, when feeling like you're losing your mind. You will also hear me sharing a recent struggle that I encountered and how Johnny will respond to it with self-compassion. I hope you find this conversation helpful I can tell you that for me, it was such a treat to talk to Johnny. I am a big fan of Johnny's work. I absolutely love how he delivers and how he practices self-compassion exercises. And I want to encourage you to go to YouTube and take a look at his channel. Johnny's channel is called The Mindfulness Circle. And you will see a bunch of videos with different exercises that you can use to guide your own self-compassion practices. I hope this conversation is helpful. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. And as usual, feel free to email me with any questions or reactions you have to this episode. Have a wonderful week and see you next week. Bye-bye. If I can ask another follow-up question, yeah. if I am developing this new way of relating to my, my own struggle, my own grief, my own regret, how will that look? Yeah. And if it's okay... Let me share with you something I went through last week. As you know, I am teaching this webinar. Last week, I had technical problems. My computers weren't synchronizing. Mm. And I finished a webinar with a sense of guilt. And my mind was telling me all types of judgment thoughts. Patricia, you should have prevented this. Mm. How come you didn't see this coming? You could have done better and I did my best to just notice how those thoughts were coming yeah. and to label them as here comes Judge Judge Patricia. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but at 
feeling was heavy. The feeling was, mm. you know, kind of like on and off throughout the day. It took mm. me, I think, a couple of um, deep breaths to just redirect because, yeah. of course, when I'm teaching, I want people to have a solid learning experience. And when yeah. you're having technical problems, that doesn't help, right? Mm. <laughs> I was judging mm. myself for that. So mm. how... If you had seen me that day and you yeah. these thoughts like Patricia, you should have prevented this. You could have done better. You yeah. should be prepared for this thing happening. What happens if no one comes back next week for the webinar? Mm. Um, you should be offering something extra right now. Yeah, it's a great example. And I think one familiar to all of us doing things online and running workshops and and working with people online. And I think, you know, doesn't it just show how much you care, which is a wonderful thing. I, I think in terms of, of working with that, you know, it sounds like you moved quickly into diffusion, quickly into acceptance, um, and of course, we'd expect that of someone with your skill and, and you know, that's what we hope. I think sometimes, um, you know, I guess one thing is how much of the compassionate self did you bring in to support that? That's if I was working with a client, I would be interested about that. You know, the way you're describing it, that's the kind of thing when I've been working with people for a long time, they might bring examples like that and they feel like they, they've slipped back a bit and that their mind's being really hard on them again. Or So I guess, you know, the diffusion, the acceptance sounded good. Um, what about the compassionate part? Did you bring that in? I imagine you did, but this is what I would ask, a, you know, a client, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and I can tell you about it. One of the ways that I practice self-compassion is softening up. I know it sounds very abstract. For mm. me, it's very grounding when I take a deep breath and just acknowledge that I am hurting, that right yeah. now I am hurting and it's hard. Yeah. I'm curious, what would be other ways that yes. listening to this podcast could practice that self-compassion as they move throughout their day? Yeah, and that's wonderful. And I think, you know, that's that acknowledging, if we think about that compassion as acknowledging pain and responding with kindness, then, um, you know, acknowledging is such a, a key part. And one we, in our societies, don't often like to do. We don't like to go, this hurts. We like to either push it away, ignore it, distract. And I'm with you. I, I do the same. I, and sometimes that's a hard sell for people to get them to they're worried if they start acknowledging the pain will it flood them and overwhelm them or will they get stuck in it um so i think you know definitely that acknowledging i i like a lot of the short self-compassion practices um you know very simply uh you know acknowledging pain like you did and then responding with kindness so responding with different types of compassionate self-talk depending on what we feel we need in the moment so you know sometimes it's it's empathy and validation it makes sense that i i feel bad about this i care you know i i want this to be a high standard and it really matters to me so i, I get why i'm feeling like this um 
it might be common humanity, of course, if we use Kristen Neff's sort of ideas of going, actually, don't we all mess up on Doesn't technology fail us all? And don't we all beat ourselves up about it? And, and, and then, you know, the supportive, motivating part, okay, you know, is there anything I could, could have done to have changed this you know in in compassion focused therapy there's compassionate self-correction so this is the way of of doing self-correction which really understands the context the the history the reason why we've struggled does it with kindness does it with support not shaming not attacking but encouraging behavior change and and so if there's room for that then there might be um and and you know, this example, I would imagine not because it's, you know, technology just fails us. Um, But it might be, you know, in other contexts, we can do that kind of thing. And then, yeah, and then I was like, then turning it to behavior. So the kind self-talk leading into behavior, you know, what am I going to do? As as you've taught me many times, you know, doing the behavior, and then, you know, the thoughts and feelings follow, right? You know, that we have to take action, and we have to do, you know, as a behavioral, behavioral scientists you know this so well that um you know that that can be the strongest for a lot of people actually the actions of compassion are more powerful for change than the words or trying to to do the self-talk you know sometimes it is what can i do that would support me here i think we have witnessed all the things, all the strategies that we use to minimize our pain, including mm. mindfulness of self-compassion. Yeah. I know for me, hundreds of years ago, going into that place of softening up a little bit, it wasn't something that it happened from one day to another day. It's an ongoing practice. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that it's going to make the hurt go away. I think makes room for it, but I can see how many times you think that self-compassion is about getting mm. rid of the struggle. If mm. you were to encounter that, how would you respond to that? If someone mm. says, you, I try, I try yes. to respond yeah. to myself with kindness and with empathy. I validated my pain. And then I try to talk to myself as I would talk to my best friend. Yeah. And it didn't work. I, I was mm. still stuck. I, I try to do what I can up front to to just, you know, it's such an act thing, but undermine that emotional control agenda that, that actually that that would ever be fully possible. Um, you know, so I try and do what I can to work with that, but people cling to it, you know, it stays in there. So sometimes it's looping back through, um, a lot, a lot of that, you know, notice name, normalize function, workability type stuff. And, and I, you know, I, I guess in it, to make it more practical, I mean, it happens all the time. So, you know, one of the contexts I work in the NHS is, has, has been short-term therapy. So don't have the luxury of long-term, you know, it, it's short. And I have an objective in my mind, if I do anything at all, I'm going to make this, not make this, I'm going to try and help this person be kinder to themselves. You know, that's the only thing I'm going to do. I might not be able to help them with the big stuff that they're coming with. and But if I can get them kinder to themselves and so i'll start compassion very early and people will often come back and say 
it didn't work. I still felt anxious. I still felt low. And, and really just trying to, to work with them to realize that it is a support. It's a, a resource. It's, I like thinking of it like a, a muscle balm for that injury. You know, it doesn't heal the injury, but it makes it more bearable. And it, it's more, you know, helps us, supports us through this. And, and you know, th- I think this is where this complication in the research, because so much of the research talks about the physiology and the, the results of compassion, that it lowers stress, you're less likely to have anxiety and depression, you know, your heart rate variability improves, all these things that sound like ways to control emotions. So I think sometimes you have to, you know, I think there's something in how we we explain and teach compassion and 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 not sell it sell it as some way to control your emotions um but i i i guess i'm bringing in different things here but really to go back to your point i i would i would go back over the idea that this is this is not some way to control your emotions has anything you've tried before really worked you know and my own experience like i i do plenty of self-disclosure i think it's in service of the client and that you know i still have plenty of anxiety and plenty of difficult stuff i you know i i deal with but the difference is I can support myself through it and it doesn't stop me doing what I want to do and actually I don't mind you know you don't mind anymore so so using some of that self-disclosure to try and build motivation looping back through things over and over again when needed can I go back a little bit to what you say I know you and I were very familiar with ACT, with acceptance and commitment therapy, and we are really invested in looking at what works, looking at the workability. So if you were to explain this to a person listening to the podcast, how would you define workability? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, workability... If if I was going to bring compassion into workability, I mean, I, yeah, workability essentially is is our our behaviours, our actions, the way we're using our, our mind and our interacting with our emotions. Is that all taking us in in a direction that we care about and that matters and that you know connects us to people, connects us to life more, gives more fulfilment? Let me ask you a little bit more if it's okay. Time goes so fast, time goes fast, (laughs) it's incredible. And this is such such a rich conversation. So thank you again for making the time. If any person is struggling with regret about things that they have say, things that they have done, and they don't have a chance to have a regular meditation practice, why would you recommend them to practice self-compassion in their day-to-day life? Yeah, great. So I, I do like some of the, the well-known short practices. So in um, uh, compassion-focused therapy, Paul Gilbert has compassionate coping in the moment, which is mm-hmm. essentially kind of mindfulness and labeling what's happening, connecting with with your your breathing or some sort of compassionate soothing resource 
um, and then bringing in the kind self-talk and then moving in into sort of action. So, um, you know, that's one. And uh, I've got that on my YouTube channel, which I've got a lot of short self-compassion practices at the, the mindfulness circle. So I'll just drop that in because it, it seems relevant. Um, uh, I, li I like Kristen Neff's self-compassion break. You know, that's a really great short practice. Um, in a way, I also like working with people to develop their own combination of things. So maybe taking something from ACT, like mm -hmm. dropping anchor, I like Russ Harris's dropping anchor and adding compassion into that. So just some kind self-talk. You know, sometimes people have no idea how to do kind self-talk um, and, and what would be useful to them. And this is kind of why... Um, Paul Gilbert developed compassion focused therapy you know he noticed some of his early CBT clients were being very harsh and critical in their mind so he developed this so working with people actually to really think about how they talk to themselves in a kind way how they um, develop that voice and, and that ability to do that and then folding that in with mindfulness like a little bit of mindful breathing or a little bit of grounding in the body and then some kind self-talk and then very much you know attention so where are we going to focus on next that's going to support us and be kind and action you know what am I going to do that's kind so really I would I would use those you know some short practices I would do them with people do them a lot in sessions so they start to become natural uh, very simply kind self-talk kind attention kind actions um, you know and and then you, we can do things like reminders and you know routines and reflection so you know how can we link it in with brushing my teeth having a shower how can we you know have a reminder on my phone to to do a quick self-compassion practice relationship anchor how can I anchor it in my relationship exchanges you know, so certain behavioral cues to, to train it up and make it natural. Um, lots more, obviously, with that. But there's some of the, the kind of main things that, that, that I like, are, you know. But personally, I think even if you do one, you know, 10, 20 minute session a week, that's a bit longer, it'll help. It is true that sometimes we think that if we decide to practice self-compassion or meditation, it has to be seven days a week, rigorous practice, three hours yeah. a day. Yeah. But it's important to remind all of us that micro changes is that one tiny thing that we can do every day that it will have yeah. some impact. And yeah. if a tiny thing is once a week or five minutes a day, that's a beginning. So um, true. Mm. Right? It's that mm. one tiny thing that we can do that will mm. help us. And just to summarize, kind responses can be empathic, can be motivating, can be validating what we're struggling with. Yeah. That's something yeah. that we all can do as we move throughout our day. Yeah. Johnny, I have one last question. <laughs> <laughs> and this is not related to self-compassion it's a question that i ask everyone because i just get curious yeah if you were to have a chance to have a cup of coffee or tea with any person you want mm. who today who will that be and why 
Oh, it's a it's a great question. Uh, <laughs> there's there's you know there's there's so many, but I I'm gonna I'm gonna say the honest answer after this long in a global pandemic and you know everything we've been going through there are some of my old friends that I've not seen for two years and I would rather have a coffee with them than any you know (laughs) any famous person any you know any great great thinker to be honest um so certainly them and hopefully I will be having that soon um uh, yeah, I, I, that's going to be my answer, to be honest. <laughs> beautiful answer. I think we're all having missing uh, the people that we connect and we hang out. So I hope that you can have that with your friends super soon. Johnny, mm, thank you yeah. so much again for making the time. And I hope that we can chat again. Love to. Yeah, anytime. Thank you so much. listening if you like this episode i will very much appreciate it if you will subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and if you are feeling extra generous i welcome a review on apple Podcasts. show notes of this episode are in the website playing it safe that's on make sure to subscribe to my newsletter so you can receive more tips to stop all types of unworkable playing it safe actions see you soon